The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, quick production note. Uh, we're all, uh, you know, doing our Thanksgiving traveling. So Alex is at his dad's house in, uh, in Nashville. I'm at my family's house in Indiana. And James just has terrible internet, as always. Uh, Alex wasn't able to bring his microphone down to Nashville with him. Uh, so the audio's not as uh, good as we usually like. And admittedly, um, it's usually pretty bad anyway. So you you kind of have to know what you're getting into if I have to put a warning. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello, guys. Welcome he's, to an he's episode back. of Off Track, a Thanksgiving special. We are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, so you're welcome for taking time out of our valuable days to provide you entertainment that you no doubt will be listening to with your entire family t- t- today. We know already what you will be thankful for, and it's that we released this episode on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, for you guys to enjoy instead of talking to your relatives that you don't want to talk to. So what I love about this is, like, it's something that a lot of people can relate to Thanksgiving-wise. Like, Alex, you're at your dad's house. The internet's not working great. You're on the Um, iPad. The internet's great. Okay, the audio's not great. I'm uh, I'm at my mom's house. We're the only place that the Wi-Fi works well enough we're doing this is the kitchen so you're going to hear my stepdad making like four different pies and and thanksgiving dinner for everybody in the background and james's internet is just terrible and yeah, he's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, be I'm at home because i'm not live. american i don't have thanksgiving and yeah this is just what i live with on a daily basis so uh welcome to my pain everybody welcome to my pain um yeah, i mean we I usually we- have pretty bad audio anyways but you know so what? i want to i want to kick this episode off by asking just what did I miss last week? Like, well, I mean, one easy way to find out is maybe listen to an episode of our show once, but I know you nah. don't really want to do that. Uh, what you missed was uh, my brother filling in for you. And yeah. what, well, we, we covered some, some, some family I heard there was history. Some, there was some, I heard there was some like conversations about bedroom etiquette and flags, Perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure how that started, but something about what the respective racing flags would mean in a bedroom type setting. I love how Tim just tried to contribute, but he was on mute. I forgot I was muted. And that I'm is, glad I it was actually better. That in life. Yeah, man, actually, it was <laughs> sounded better to me. Um, yeah, and then somehow Connor got involved uh, with Becky. I don't know how this happened. Um, Wait, he called in? Show or? 
No, remember that was like one of the yeah, jokes you made. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Be- okay. Tim made some some off color joke about Connor and Becky. So so basically, the entire episode and podcast went to without me. I, I, I figured that. So I'm not just saying yeah, this. I, I received like a lot of positive. Yeah. I got a lot of positive <laughs> feedback from last episode. A lot of positive feedback. <laughs> not because you weren't there, because Chris was such a such a engaging guest and told. Well, he's a doctor. Stories. Like he looks better he, from he, Oxford. He just he's a yeah. defile. He's yeah, a defile yeah. from Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all right, look, I want to know everything about Baja. So congratulations on winning the Baja 1000. Um, there are, it's here's pronounced the it's pronounced Bay J. First of oh, all, oh, it's Bay J. Sorry, <laughs> Bay J. So, uh, the Bay J One Thousand obviously is a race that you've heard of, I've heard of, I know about, I've seen winners, I get it, kind of thing. And then you, you know, started doing it. You were kind of my first conduit into the inner workings of how Baja really works. Bay J. And even still, <laughs> Bay J. And even still, you've done it. That's your third time, right? Yes. Right. And every time I feel like I learn something else, and every time I Same. feel like I bl- <laughs> fair, totally fair, and and I feel like I'm blown away by the kind of stuff that I learn. So yeah. why don't you just give us give the whole group a kind of a kind of front to back, heads to tails, soup to nuts synopsis of your your Beijing experience. And don't forget to leave out the fact that you didn't get to do any of your pre-running because I think that's a very important part for the end of the story. Right. So, so much of this is really, I mean, it's very hard to explain because it's just so out there that people like the concept of this event and this race um, shouldn't, honestly, I don't think it should exist in modern society. Like it is so primitive in, in so many aspects of the way that the, the, the event happens like it's, it's truly a, a race from point A to point B, um, 1220 miles down the Baja California peninsula, starting from kind of one coast and kind of just traversing all the way across until you, you start in Ensenada and you get down to La Paz. And so with that, you have every single different type of terrain that, that you can imagine in a 1200 mile period from, from mountains that have um, kind of fire roads, you know, gravel paved of sorts, uh, fire roads that you go up to goat trails that you drive an 8,000 pound truck down um, to single track kind of switchbacks to normal highways to roads through towns and and communities. Um, You've got kind of motocross type trails routes of sorts so like with jumps and stuff that you're with navigating jumps, with jumps and whoops and that i mean sometimes you know the san felipe whoops san felipe whoops they go for 30 odd miles like we're not talking these are these 30 are 30 miles of whoops at 120 miles an hour because they're like spaced correctly so you're just Wait, what flat. is what is a whoop yes yeah, okay let's explain whoops to so people. a whoop a whoop is is basically imagine you're driving along and there are horizontal ditches that are spaced adequately apart that can range from two to five feet deep. And you rely on the suspension travel to absorb that. So, so the, the suspension's moving up and down at two to five feet, but the truck's actually not really moving because the suspension has the travel to, to deal with it. 
it still moves. It's very, it's very violent on your body. Um, cause it's just a lot of up and down bouncing on and off the revometer and the truck moves around on top of the loops and you, you have to find a groove and our particular Honda Ridgeline, it's track width is a little smaller than other trucks. So, you know, it kind of searches for grooves once you get above 90 miles an hour. Um, it's not kind of just set in its ways. So you've got, you've got that, you've got, um, potential hazards that are not only, you know, vehicles on the course, but you've got people that set up campsites. Um, you have people that line the roads like you would see in a rally race. You have locals that set up booby traps um, to try and get you stuck or flipped over so that then they yeah, can charge you. I've heard about that from uh, Matt Cottrell, a friend of ours who did it a long time ago. I mean, did that did that happen at all during this running? Were you booby trapped? Not to me, but it, not it to happens, me, but for sure. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, so, so then, can you go into that? How they do that? Well, they just redirect you. So, like, we're talking about twelve hundred twenty miles of race course, but there's only certain amount of checkpoints that you have to go through. So, like, there are there are areas that you can shortcut. There are if there's twenty miles between a virtual checkpoint to a virtual checkpoint, and you find a faster route that isn't the race course, you can take that. You so can go you off kind of, east a little bit. Right, but like, it's also no different because. The, it's not a race, like there's no like, well, there's, there's no, no like structure set. to the race course. It's just a, it's right. just a line. It's just a trail. Right. It's a burned in line to the forest. Like it's you not- You gotta get from this, this point does. to this point, there's 20 miles in between, figure it out. Figure it out. It's up to you, no problem. And, and the Bottle 1000 used to be, who can get to, from Ensenada to Cabo fastest, forget checkpoints. And that was a free fall. But so anyway, so this race, I mean, I, I forgot to mention, it goes down onto the coast. You're driving on sandy beaches with the ocean and gravel and rocks any anyways so you have all of these different elements you have locals that are trying to to get involved in their own way um you've got the the changing conditions so you know it's a our 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 truck completed the race in 23-ish hours and so you're you're obviously going through an entire night and it's november you're going from a valley to the coast you have fog to deal with um, you've got sunrise to deal with, you have sunset to deal with, you've got 700 plus other vehicles, dust to, to deal with. Um, you've got their, all those 700 vehicles, they have their chase team. Some of them chase on the race course, next to the race course. Either way, there's dust involved. Um, you have no radio communication with a team when, because there's parts of the track where you're 30 to 60 miles away from them which is sketchy for a multitude of reasons. One, if you get stuck, they can't really do anything about it to get you on your way. Two, if you get hurt, same thing, um, except more perilous. And three, it's against the law in Mexico for helicopters to fly at night. So if you were to get hurt, if you were to call a sat phone, you were bleeding, you had a problem, it was at nighttime, you need to be medevaced, not an option. So there are just a, a huge amount of of variables that exist in this race, which is what makes it so awesome and makes it uh, like su such a such a, an amazing experience and and gives me a huge amount of respect for the guys that are twelve time Baja one thousand champions or whatever and and this is how they made their career and i I did my this was my third and it's probably my last for the foreseeable future just because for me, like the risk that you need to take to be successful is just one that if this isn't your primary job, I'm just not really 
willing. It's hard to, to justify. It's, yeah. it's hard especially to justify, now right? that you've won it, right? Like that's the correct. big goal. And correct yes. me, you're 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 the only driver to have won the Indy 500, the Daytona 24 Hour, and the Baja 1000. Is that something I read? Yeah, I mean, we got it. We got it. That was a very nice stat that someone put out. But ultimately, you know, this was a class win. So, I mean, I, I will want to go back in the future and try and get an overall um, win in, in, in the trophy truck. Um, he says you know, less than a minute after saying it's his well, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> For the foreseeable future. Um, but I, I he did say that. He did say that. And, um, you know, compete for an overall because that, that's obviously a, a differentiating factor. But anyway, so there was one. I'm stuck on the booby traps. Get over it. I mean, it's just part of the way it is. Dude, so, it's, the, it's the Wild West. Like, this is the Wild West of motorsports. Like, we used to think, like, we talk about how, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, how dangerous Formula car racing was and how crazy those guys were cowboys compared to what, you know, we are now, frankly. And all that. But it's like Baja just never, just never graduated out of that realm. It's still well, that just was my insane. point. What I said in the beginning, like, I can't believe that we're 2021 and a race like this <laughs> is still existing. In the, yeah. in, the, in the fashion that it does. And, well, it, and don't get me Mexico. wrong, they, they've done a lot in terms of, of, of protecting people, especially on highways. So it used to be highways do whatever you want. And then they had a lot of accidents with race cars and chase trucks and locals because they were racing on highways. Now those types of areas are speed zones. Um, if you remember the, the video of me almost going head on with with that Grand Cherokee um, in, in my first year in 2018, that section of the track is still an open road, but it's now a speed zone. So they, they do evolve and learn from, from incidences and, and close calls and such. And, and they do either reroute the course or they do make it like basically pit lane speed um, for certain areas where, where there's more of a risk. So they, they do, they do try and, and, and control it in a way that they can, but I'll tell you one one moment that was really sketchy um, for me and my co-driver. So we were driving, I got in the truck at three o'clock in the morning. And, um, you know, I was dealing with fog. I was dealing with a lot of dust. You know, I was every four seconds, you know, my co-driver was handing me a rag to try and wipe the, the, the fog and steam off the visor. Um, and so because we had never pre-run and I'll get to this in a second, we had never pre-run the course. There was a Y coming up and we, we chose the wrong direction. And this particular section of the course was in a, a silt bed. And silt is like a, it's like a talcum powder. It's a very, very, very fine sand. It's, it's, it's essentially a, like a sinkhole. Like it's incredibly it's like soft. It's like quicksand, yeah. And so the only way to get through silt in a vehicle of that size without four wheel drive is you just can't stop. Like stopping is not an option. So whether it's you like can skipping across going, a pond, you know, you have to just keep right. your foot down. You just, and, go. and it can be at 20 miles an hour, but like the option, right. you, you cannot stop because if you stop, you're stuck, you're sinking, you're not getting out period. So we took this wrong course. It's dark. Can't see anything. And we were like, Oh, we'll just rejoin. And then it ended up being like a directly due East departure from the race course. That wasn't like going to come back and remerge at any foreseeable point. So it was like, so we had to do a 180 and you know, the turning radius isn't that big um, or rather it's, it's very, it's very big. big yeah. And so by the time we turn around and keep in mind, you know, you're throttling up, you're kind of sliding around to try and make sure you don't get stuck and all this stuff. We had lost the line that we had come in at. 
And so it was like, okay, we'll just go straight back towards the course. Like we know where the, we're supposed to be on a map. So just burn the line and go. Okay. Well, as we started going and you know, got up to second gear and like, was just making sure we weren't stuck. There were some pretty big boulders that appeared and a forest of cactuses. And it was like, like there was, there was no option. So we literally just hammered down and drove through what must've been 30 cactuses, bushes, cacti, cacti, bushes, trees, like the, the last tree that we went through, the, the bush was, was <laughs> we six went feet wide, seven feet wide and eight feet tall. And I was like, 100% we're going to get stuck. But there was literally no option. Like it was like, that was the only way we could go. And somehow this thing just drives through like something that would stop a, a Chevy Suburban. Like it just, it just plows through, it motors over, no problem. So Honda we Ridgeline built tough. I tell you what. So we were able to we were able to get through it, but the consequence of that was we blew up a bunch of cacti that all flew into the open cockpit, and some of them were called uh, I forget what the name is, cabuelas or something something, and their thorns are an actual barb, and so the barb like a, almost like a fish hook, the barb goes in, and you can't pull it out. So I, I had some all over me and I went to go grab one and it was stuck on my hand, which I was using to drive or shift with. So I had to still grab the steering wheel with cacti in my hand and drive along while my co-driver was trying to use cloths to get it off him and cloths to get it off himself. And so you're sitting on them, you're driving, you're going over bumps oh. and the bump one bounces and you land and it gets under your butt and then you're bouncing on it. It was oh. horrifying. <laughs> Horrifying. Oh my god. So finally, um, you know, we get out of the truck, you know, after we were in it for uh, six hours, we gave it over with a with a pretty good lead. We had no downtime, which was huge for us. Um, didn't have one puncture, didn't have one one problem other than the small uh, uh, detour. Detour. And you know, that's just a testament to to that truck and, and what the Ridge Lion's capable of. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, so you it guys was, won it was, by almost four hours, right? No, no. I we thought it was for the class. I thought it was okay. Um, so Tim, this is so, why you should be on mute at all times. Damn it. <laughs> so the <laughs> other mainly had that. So the other thing that was was pretty crazy and, and made it difficult was the fact that we didn't do the pre-run. And so I mentioned that earlier. Usually, you know, you go down there for for a week, two weeks before the event. You kind of go through it all. You don't memorize it. Obviously, you're not going to memorize 300 miles of, of, of course, right? But you mark down dangers. You mark down G-outs. You mark down where big rocks are. You mark down where cliffs are. You mark down where ponds are that you're going to be jumping through or whatever. You, you mark all that down so that when you are approaching it, like you get a notification and it's like danger, X, Y, Z type thing. So we, we had that for 70 miles of our 300 and whatever. So it was uh, a lot of driving blind well, because at least it was at night. Yeah. And foggy. In the fog. And um, we didn't have course notes. And the intercom on the truck went out. So even if he could tell me things, I couldn't really hear him anyways. So no way. we started having to point. And then, like, I was driving with a hand up because the sun was so bright. So I was driving one handed, trying to block the sun, and then looking over at him, and he was pointing right or left, or I was just looking at his screen trying to judge like the speed of the next corner and like what the braking zone would be chaos 
That's okay. Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So I have I have two questions. I have two questions. So you I assume you were the mid stint then, right? Because yes, yep. three drivers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so is there three co-drivers? Four drivers, sorry. So does every driver have their own co-driver? Yes. Well, I, I shared one with the guy that started and who's like the also the chief mechanic on it, because let's be honest. If we had to change the drive shaft, I couldn't do that. Whereas all the other four drivers probably had more mechanical intuition than I did. So like yeah, more experience. Them, they do this. This, they is, probably, this is their right. full-time deal, right? So they're right. used to doing it. They could that, probably, right. they would be able to figure it out. Whereas if I had an issue, I'd be like, cool. So they put me right. with the mechanic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so that guy had to, had to run right seat for two different stints? Yes. And... He had to do that, but then, like between the first stint, which he did, and the second stint, or the third stint, which was me, he had to chase the truck and like get make sure he got there in time to get right in. Um, but and he's also the guy like there was there was a big hurdle for us to overcome because he was the guy that we rolled off we rolled off a cliff together. So him and I wanted to like go out on a, on a good note, and um, we did, which was which was. Awesome. You guys just the Thelma and That's Louise did incredible. And you to undo that ending. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they, they didn't want that to be their legacy. Um, so that guy, I mean, that guy gets like, he gets MVP for, for the race, having oh, to do a double he's the man. and spin, spend his offstand catching driving. a truck and getting ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine um, so then, riding. Right. So, okay. So then my other question about that is what, I mean, what's a driver change like in those trucks? Like, is it as fast as you, is it like a driver change in a 24 hour race kind of thing? Or is it a little more like, do you have X amount of time in the, in the transition zone? Like, how does, how does that work? No, it's, I mean, it's practiced. It's the same. I mean, it's 30 seconds. You know, they take on. So you, you come in, lock the, lock the brakes, hop out of the car. Next guy hops in, truck's still running and off you go. 100%. Yep. Awesome. 90, uh, 30 seconds for 90 gallons. You always take rear tires um, on a stop. You replace any spares. Everyone looks over the truck, wipes off the lights, sends it. Amazing. That's, that's so cool. That, that's so fascinating. Um, James, do you have any desire to do this? I mean, kind of, I, I, I have these, I have these mixed emotions. It's kind of like, so, so Alex and I were talking earlier and it was like this, this week, cause he goes, yeah, this is probably the last one I'm going to do for a bit. And I said, yeah, yeah. You say that now because you just finished it and it was like sketchy and it was hard. And you yeah, got like when stabbed. Daniel Craig always said he was done being Bond. Well, that's different because they pay him like tens of millions of dollars to do it. So your motivations are slightly <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah, I get paid less dollars than that. Right. <laughs> less than tens of millions. Mostly um, mostly minus the tens of millions. Right, right. So, you know, you just you hadn't slept in 36 hours and you were still picking, you know, cacti prongs out of your butt and whatever. And you're like, yeah, probably the last one for a bit. But then I sort of likened it to when you do the Daytona 24-hour race and I certainly have thought, and you have agreed that there are times like 3 a.m. They bang on your motorhome, they wake you up, they put you on the golf cart. It's 31 degrees outside and misting, and you're you're just you're trying to wrap up in freezing rain, heading to the car because you're about to start a double or a triple, and you're like, I'm never doing this race again. I'm sorry, this is the worst experience ever. I hate it. I'm never doing this again. Then the race ends, and you have a couple nights sleep, and you get over it. And then like come September or whatever, you're like, man. I really can't wait to get back to Daytona. 
So I thought this may have been that for you. But obviously, it's a little bit different. And you still go back to Daytona every year. So yeah, but am I, am I allowed to bring up the video that you mentioned or that you sent us? Sure. So, okay. So I think that one of the parts that for me was like, okay, I kind of get it now. Alex sent us a video that was um, taken, I guess, by one of the mechanics after the race. They were kind of going over the truck. And <laughs> it was zoomed in on the, like, pickup point for the lower control arm. So basically the suspension, where the suspension meets the chassis. And right in the, the fitting where it connects, there was a massive crack all the way through. And then See, the camera. Yeah, I, like, I like that you knew exactly what you're looking at because I watched that and I was like, "Yeah, that probably shouldn't be there. Like right. that looks like it's right. bad, right?" Normally, you're not supposed to have cracks on anything in a racing yeah, vehicle. Generally, I was like, right. "That seems more broken than it should be." Yes, and it was a particularly bad spot to be broken. And then the camera zooms over to the other side of the car, and the same pickup point has an equally large crack in it. I'm like, "Oh my god!" If either of those had gone, it would have been. A really bad situation. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. got to be a testament to the truck, though, that even even taking the beating that that can happen, that it's still held together. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think all of it. And here's the thing. Like, yes, it's great. I have to, bought two to, Honda Ridgelines since you sent me that video. It's it's great. It's great to, to win that race. But I think I think finishing it, it's, it's one of those things. I know it sounds cliche, but, like, literally finishing it is – is, is a win is a win in so many yeah. ways it's so yeah, there's so many elements that should make you not finish right um and even <laughs> us like we had we had a very smooth day we replaced the drive shaft had to replace an oil um, pump belt had to replace a serpentine belt all out on race course like there are there are still issues and you know everyone has to deal with it like the the, the leading class 11 or whatever class 12 the the volkswagen beetles are the guy that won did three engines wow. and just still won. I mean, like, it's just, that's part so of Baja. You, out the engine? Yeah, you don't, you don't stop. You don't, you don't give up. You just keep going. You repair it out in the middle of the desert. It doesn't matter. You just, you get it done. That's what Baja is. And, Incredible. That, and then that isn't, isn't, the, isn't the trophy or the, the money for winning Baja like nothing? It's quite small, yes. Small to quite small. As yes. they would say, but it's not Small about the money. It's non-existent. <laughs> Nobody does it for the money. Um, so, okay. Amazing. Congratulations. Very, very cool experience. Very cool thing to get to put on your CV. Now we need to go back in time because I want to talk about Petit and your time in the Wayne Taylor racing Acura. Those guys, we talked about it before you went there for, I mean, we kind of, we know how it shook out. So, um, Unfortunately, the 10 car did not win the championship. Uh, it, was a, it was a whoever finished in front between the 10 and the 31. You guys did win the Endurance Cup, though. Amazing. Congratulations. So, you know, the championship that you were a part of, technically they won, but, you know, whatever. Um, but there what, was, <laughs> what was so cool about that race and about, like, this season is that it literally came down to the last corner of the last lap of the final race for the championship, Ricky Taylor had closed a what seventeen second gap, I think, at one point between the last or last two stints two on stints, the thirty-one yeah. last two stints, and was less than a second behind on the final lap. And then going into the last break zone, 
Our boy just Rick. Shifted. Oh my God. Big Dick Rick. Just was like, Big oh, Dick Rick. Last chance we got. Let's go for it. And man, he launched it in a way that was so awesome. Zero percent chance of making the corner, but that wasn't the point. The fact that he took the stab at it was awesome. The car in front of 31 decided to defend in a very questionable fashion, a very dangerous fashion. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Just as as a general race observer, we can ignore for the fact that it was your car because just as someone who was there watching, I this was a very fascinating situation for me. So I think I think you know you you summarized it really well. I, I think it's a testament to IMSA racing and what multi-class racing brings to the table. You know, he was able yeah. to close a 17-second gap because yes, he was quicker. But ultimately, he was also taking massive risks in traffic because he was in a position that he had to. You know, when you're leading, right. when you've got that kind of cushion, you're going to, especially at Petit, you know, coming down the S's, there's going to be situations where you just don't push the issue because there's no point, right? Whereas Ricky had to push the issue in all facets of every corner of every lap. And it was rewarding to him. Like it was paying off and, and the time was coming down. And I think that, you know, he, he is you know, working with him now for two, four years, you know, he's probably one of the best sports car drivers, prototype drivers in the world right now. And, and he's proven that on, on a very consistent basis. Yeah, time and time and so for him to, for him to do what he did was, was awesome, but it was also something that we as a team, you know, when, when we made the decision for who was going to drive, it was like, it was a unanimous Ricky, like, cause we knew that he had the capability to actually go for the final stint. You mean, for the final couple of stints, right. To go, to go get that yeah. done. And so to, to watch that happen and to watch him do it, it was like, man, it's going to be close, but like maybe he can do it. So you had that stress of like, is he even going to get there? And then, you know, Philippe and I were watching on the stand. We were, we, for like the last five of the last six laps, we weren't getting the break we needed in traffic. Like we just weren't getting the 31 car held up by coming down the S's where we needed it. And we saw on the on the moving dots, the GPS, that it was going to come on the last lap. And we were like, oh, here it is. And so Ricky did everything right. Like, he he set him up. He got the run. He was in the toe. Like, and it was just like, well, he has to – we had the conversation before. Like, if you're in the position, if you both be enough, we win the championship. So, like, just go – like, you you don't have a choice. Like, this is for the champ- – it's for all the marbles, right? So, I think he, he made a very – very good decision. Like he wasn't just going to drive into someone. He was going to try and ship it in there. And if they defended and he cut the corner or he cut the corner and was able to hold on, you argue that later, like whether you cut the track or not, like just try and get to the finish line first. Ultimately it didn't work out like that. And what hurt us is like, there's no D swells in, in the DPI car. So he's like full throttle and fourth gear. Cause once he realized he wasn't going to make it, he just went back to throttle, but he couldn't get down the gears fast enough in order to kind of keep the momentum right. up getting to the final corner. So ultimately it was a, it was a valiant effort. It was, um, it was great to, I mean, amazing to, to watch Wayne Taylor racing transition from a Cadillac, which is a Cadillac Delara, which is a completely different beast to the Acura Orca chassis. And they got the car two weeks before the war. They won Daytona. They led the championship all year until the last race. So, I mean, I think it was, it was an amazing effort. It was it was disappointing, but I also think like that's if you're gonna lose a championship, if you're gonna lose in, in a race, like to have it be that entertaining for everyone, I think that's that's a that's a win for the series and, and for all involved. If 
for sure, man. I mean, I think one of the most entertaining elements of it was the subsequent video footage of you and Philippe on the timing stand over that, yeah. the course of that move, you know, it had yeah. like the, it was a, I joked with somebody, I was like, that was the most widespread range of emotion I've ever seen out of Rossi. Like he went from like tense and nervous and kind of apprehensive to like crazy elation as it looked like Ricky was going for it and excitement. And then like he came out on the tree, went across the grass, came out of the track in front. It's like, yeah, we're going to get it. And then he didn't have the drive off. and, fle- and well, got So the here's, the, like, here's no! the thing. So we were all like leaning out. And also the camera, like the headlights, we couldn't tell what car was in front. So then we were ah. like, look at the timing screen. It was like, <laughs> like, it was like, so because we thought he did it and it was, you know, yeah, it was, um, it, it wasn't as heartbreaking. I mean, obviously for me, I wasn't involved in the overall championship, but even for the whole team, like they were so, everyone was so proud and impressed with Ricky and the attempt and the effort that he put in. And ultimately like the 10 car, we were last in every session, including qualifying. It was a tough weekend and, for you. Guys. Until the race. Like, it was one of the most miserable cars to drive. And somehow, like, I, I couldn't drive it. Somehow, Philippe and Ricky managed to find pace out of that thing. And, like, that's just, I mean, it, it, was, it was cool to watch. It was cool to kind of be on, the, and like, admittedly, I got in. I didn't do many laps. It was a completely different race car than we had tested because of some, some changes that came. And I just could never kind of get my, my head around it. Um, but they, they pulled it out and, and they delivered when they had to. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. It, well, it was well, awesome. Yeah. Congrats on a, a race well run. Sorry. Sorry. It, uh, it didn't, didn't come together at the end. But yeah, like you said, really entertaining end. Did you watch it, Tim? I watched the end. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I, I chugged in a couple times here and there just to see how things were going. Just checking. Well, all right, so now we, we've recapped the two races we missed, and it's become a bit of our tradition. So uh, Hazel's going to ask the uh, annual Thanksgiving question for you two. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's hear it. What are you thankful for? Alex, take it away. James, you're up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, as always, guys, I am uh, I am thankful for you know friends and family. I am thankful for good health. Um, you know, this this past year has been a very difficult one for a lot of reasons in a lot of ways for me personally and professionally. You know, losing my dad and everything, and um, it's nice being able to get together with family and. We did that during our Thanksgiving, which I know you two don't recognize as a real thing, but I'm not saying this for you. Uh, Hazel, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful in my Thanksgiving. Um, but we yeah, you know, her about, uh, Canada as a thing. It's not true. I know for a fact that she knows several facts about Canada. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, health, family, friends, and the incredible opportunity to get to do what we do. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just looking forward to the future and, uh, and and everything that's that's coming down the pipeline. So that is what I'm thankful for. Alex, how about you? Um Yeah, I mean I'm I'm thankful for I mean I obviously I'm thankful for for loved ones, friends, family and and I think everyone on Thanksgiving kind of recognizes that. I'm trying to think of of a more abstract thing. Um and I think it's just, I mean, there's so, there's so many uh, situations that we've all witnessed firsthand and seen over the past year and a half, two years um, with unknowns and challenges and everything. And, and I'm thankful that, you know, we as a sport that is ultimately relies on a fan base to keep going. Um, that through all the unknowns and everything, we still have a, a championship and, and a job and motorsports is still a thing. And we still have the opportunity to go do what we are qualified to do, because I can tell you other than James, um, not many of us have, have a huge talent to fall back on. James is such a good talker <laughs> that that's, that's really good for him. But the rest of us, it's like, well, I don't know what I would do. So, um, you know, I'm just thankful for, for everyone who stuck with us, for the organizers, for the cities, for the, series teams everyone who kind of allowed us to survive that and and get back to somewhat i mean pretty much a completely normal uh series and situation going into 2022 so i think that's a that's a huge effort from everyone although i'm expecting my text any day that uh that i'm still not essential for 2022 no it's i mean i'll send it right now if you need it (laughs) you need it writing i'll text you at the moment and tim we know that you're just thankful for us so no need for you to chime in i'm thankful that i have a heart out and i have to leave right so um (laughs) So, all right, well, fine. We have a couple other topics we'll discuss next week. But real quick, I just need to get your opinion on this. Um, as you all know, um, by you all, I mean Tim and, and Alex. I don't know if anybody listening knows. I'm a big uh, consumer of Papa John's pizza. And um, it's it's not necessarily because it's particularly good. It's, it's convenient. It's there. It's like home. It's just a comfort food. And uh, recently, there was, a, there was some sort of announcement that they're changing the name uh, – of Papa John's to Papa John's. 
they're just losing the the apostrophe, right? Correct. It is no longer like a possessive. It's not it's not Papa John's pizza. It's like Papa well, John's I mean, pizza. It's like his last name is now John's. No, I understand that, but I feel like if you're gonna rebrand something, like have some balls and rebrand it properly to actually like they could have just taken the apostrophe out and nobody would have noticed and nobody would have cared, right? Instead, they put out a whole thing about, hey, we're changing the name of the company from Papa John's to Papa John's. And I'm very upset about this. I think it was very, <laughs> it's a very, very, very boring thing to be upset about. So you're, you're the, uh, are unthankful for this. I'm unthankful for the name change of Papa John's. I mean, call it, pa- I'm we call it Padre Wands. I'm unthankful for unnecessary nang- anger. Really? You're, you're gonna get you of all about- people? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 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 hold on. So <laughs> the best part, the best part about last week's episode was we did the intro, like kind of jokingly, you know, whatever. And then we introduced Chris and he was like, and, and he hadn't said anything for the first 30 seconds. And we're like, hey, Chris is here, whatever. And he goes, oh, I was, I was, I was trying to figure out how to do my best uh, Alex Rossi impression. And we're like, well, you just did it. Cause you just didn't talk for 30 seconds. and <laughs> just ignored what we were saying. Correct. You're welcome. I You're am welcome. so happy to be back guys. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to off track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Thim. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.